did she do? Women Jacker, hello. I am Samsara and you are listening to What Did She Do? Before I begin, I would like to acknowledge this podcast is created in Nam on Boon lands and thank them for allowing us to tell our stories here. What Did She Do? is a weekly podcast which features reviews written by myself and keeps you up to date with live theatre and events in Melbourne. It drops every Sunday. Today is your last chance to see Mekostra at the MC showroom. Mekostra is an exploration of the intricate relationship between movement and music. You can get your tickets at themcshowroom.com. Homophonic also has its last show, La Mama Courthouse, today. New music by queer composers. Get your tickets at lamama.com.au. Melbourne Theatre Company is currently presenting 17, a wild and wise vision of adolescence where youth and maturity intermingle in every moment. The season runs through to the 17th of February and tickets can be purchased through mtc.com.au. The Rocky Horror is playing at the Athenaeum until the 23rd of March with Jason Donovan as Frankenfurter and Joel Creasy as the narrator. It's Rocky Horror Show tells the story of Brad and his fiancée Janet, two squeaky clean college kids who meet Dr. Frankenfurter, an extraterrestrial mad scientist from the galaxy of Transylvania, where people really like to party. Tickets are on sale now at rockyhorror.com.au. Groundhog Day the Musical is playing at the Princess Theatre until the 25th of May. This brilliant new production is based on the classic movie and is a parable of love, hope and transformation. For all bookings and inquiries, call 1300 111 A suffocating choking feeling is back from the 13th to the 18th of February at La Mama HQ. Rising star, singer and influencer, her followers have witnessed it all. Tickets at lamama.com.au Angel Monster runs from the 14th to the 24th of February at Theatre Works. Sex, consent, violence 
and empowerment crash tackle together in a full femme, full-bodied conversation where the agenda is equality, ownership and individuality. Get your tickets at theatreworks.org.au. House of the Heart opens at the Museum of Chinese Australian History on the 15th of February and runs through to the 10th of March. A cornucopia of extraordinary singers, dancers and storytellers in a work that swirls across language and culture to explore home, family and how we create a sense of place and heartfelt belonging in this country we all call home. Bookings via trybooking.com. Lights, camera, chaos is on for one show only on the 17th of February at Gasworks. There will be science, there will be magic. Get your tickets at eventfinder.com.au. Melbourne Shakespeare Company is presenting Much Ado About Nothing at Central Park from the 17th of February to the 10th of March. Step into the swinging 60s with this new electrifying musical production. Tickets via trybooking.com. Melbourne Shakespeare Company also has Adventures in Neverland playing from the 17th of February to the 10th of March. Immerse your little ones in an exciting world where feisty fairies flutter, pirates scheme and magic is only one song away. Book through trybooking.com. The Main It Illusion exhibition takes residence at Arts House from the 19th of February to the 23rd of March. This is a hot and humid installation of Philippine sound, video and performance inspired by video key in the Philippines. Bookings through artshouse.com.au Flamenco Dancer is happening at Gasworks from the 20th to the 24th of February. Flamenco Dancer is an inspired, powerful and elegant show of flamenco dance and guitar. Bookings at gasworks.org.au Cuddle opens at Arts House on the 20th of February and runs through to the 25th. A dynamic and difficult duel filled with surprise. I'm sorry for making you do this. Do what? This. I'm asking a lot of you always. No. Seriously. Yeah. Seriously, it's fine. Sometimes I'm vulnerable or sad or both. <laughs> Seriously. You know I love this shit. I really appreciate you and everything you do. Cuddle. Cuddle. Tickets via artshouse.com.au or call 93223720. Puccini in the Park is playing at the Sydney Meyer Music Bowl on the 21st of February. Giacomo Puccini composed some of the most enduringly popular operas. This concert is free and no bookings are required. Flesh Vessel is on at Dance House from the 21st to the 24th of February, demanding acute awareness, interconnection, vulnerability and kinetic mapping of three performers. Tickets at dancehouse.com.au The Fun, Love and Criminals will be at the Northcote Theatre on the 22nd of February, celebrating the 25th anniversary of 100% Colombian. Tickets via the prestigepresents.com.au forward slash FLC. Eliza Hull and other artists are performing at Malthouse Outdoor Stage on Friday the 23rd. She will be performing music from her latest DP. Book tickets at malthousetheatre.com.au Stop running away Singing 
the next thing would save me I was present today We stopped chasing in circles Even if it hurts Marie's Crisis returns to the common rooms from the 23rd to the 25th of February. What better way to start thinking about the new year than by locking in a riotous evening of tunes and tinkling ivories. Book through melbournefringe.com.au The Hate Race opens in the Beckett Theatre on the 23rd of February and runs through to the 17th of March. The Hate Race is an unflinching exploration of the complexities of race in Australia. Bookings through malthousetheatre.com.au Main Knit Fantasy takes place at Arts House on the 24th 4th of February, a one-night curated spectacle of sweet and salty art, sound and performance. Tickets at artshouse.com.au. Dry Land runs from the 28th of February to the 9th of March at the Explosives Factory. What happens in a girls' change room after the high school swimming pool has closed? For tickets, go to theatrework.org.au. Ruthless, the musical, takes over the Alex Theatre from the 1st to the 24th of March, a satirical feast that playfully pokes fun at classic Broadway productions like Gypsy and Maine and iconic films such as All About Eve and The Bad Seed, offering a cheeky nod to the relentless pursuit of fame and fortune by those irrepressible showbrats. Get your tickets at alextheatre.au. Gaslight opens at the Comedy Theatre from 6th to the 17th of March 2024. Young, trusting and fragile Bella Manningham thinks she's losing her mind. Tickets via marinagroup.com.au Rejoiceify Melbourne, Wicked is back. Long before Dorothy dropped in, two other young women meet in the land of Oz. We're gonna make you pop, you <gasps> When I see depressing creatures with unprepossessing features, I remind them on their own behalf to think of celebrated heads of state or especially great communicators did they have brains or knowledge don't make me laugh they were popular please it's all about popular it's not about aptitude it's the way you're viewed so it's very true to be very very popular like me Performances at the Regent Theatre commence from the 6th of March 2024. Bookings via ticketech.com.au or phone 1300 111 011. Ruben K is performing Apocalyptic at the Malthouse from the 28th of March to the 21st of April. Part eulogy, part allergy, part Eastern Block Dog Day afternoon. Bookings at malthousetheatre.com.au. 
Rose Matafeo on and on and on, is performing at the Melbourne Theatre from the 28th of March through to the 7th of April. Rose talks about herself on stage for about an hour, 55 minutes if struggling. Tickets at themalthousetheatre.com.au. Piaf will be at the Palms at Crown on the 16th and 17th of May 2024. This celebrated production tells the story of Edith Piaf's career through her unforgettable songs, including La Vie Rose, in an original scenography with projections of images of Edith Piaf never published before. Parle tout bas, je vois la vie en rose. Allez, venez, Milor, vous avez l'air d'un môme. Laissez-vous faire, Milor, venez dans mon royaume. Non, rien de rien. Non. via theprestigeevents.com.au brings Irish dance sensation Airborne back to Australia and it will be at the Palais on the 17th of May. The unique fusion of live rock music with a live band and the world's best Irish dance and tap dancers has captivated audiences around the world. Tickets are on sale at melanevents.com. Finally, Sunset Boulevard opens on the 21st of May 2024 and stars international superstar Sarah Brightman. This will be a brand new lavish production of the Tony Award winning musical. Tickets can be booked at sunsetmusical.com.au. to tell you about Destroyed, which played at the Explosives Factory last week. Melbourne stages seem to be preoccupied with death over the last 12 months or so. Perhaps it is a phenomenon which extends back to lockdowns. Perhaps it goes back further than that. It certainly seems to be high on the list of issues and questions for our female-identifying theatre makers, so it probably goes back much further in history, and we just haven't seen it because it's only recently that the female voice has had a space to be heard unfiltered in our art and culture. Ebony Rattles Destroyed is the latest in this sequence and was playing at the explosives factory until yesterday. It is a little bit strange to speak about a strong queer feminist work, but then also say it non-ironically riffs off a play written by one of the great misogynists of history. But here I am telling you that Destroyed has hinged its major conceit of William Shakespeare's play Macbeth. 
Apparently, Rattle keeps being encouraged to try adaptations. Why? The writing and theatre making is strong, so why dilute it by using someone else's old story? I think Rattle should just keep doing her own thing. They don't need the crutch of someone else's writing. As I said, Rattle is a strong writer. Their writing is sharp and insightful with a very dark humour, which attacks rather than disarms, the way humour is usually tasked in entertainment. The play hinges around Evelyn, played by Rattle, who is experiencing a terrible sequence of loss with people around her dying. Whilst processing grief, she finds herself trying to negotiate a new relationship with Gabrielle, Sarah Cooper. Themes of BDSM are explored as pain and love get blended along with bodies and lives. To complicate matters even further, Destroyed delves deeply into the phenomena known as suicide contagion and also bullying. Amidst all the grief, Evelyn has become blamed for causing the latest suicide and her friends are now avoiding her. The relationship between Maya, Emma Snow and Evelyn is utterly compelling. So where does Macbeth sit in all of this? To be honest I don't think it sits deep in the heart of Destroyed but it does dominate the theatrical framing. Rattle has taken the idea of the three witches who foretell the action in Macbeth and has transplanted them into Destroyed apparently to foretell Evelyn's doom. I'm not entirely clear on what they did because the biggest problem with this production is the voice recordings are overprocessed and pretty much unintelligible. I have absolutely no idea what they said, which means I missed some of the most important information in the show. I might need to take a step back here. Despite the fact that the witches, Snow, Artemis Munoz and Emma Jevons have quite a lot of script, all of it is pre-recorded. They never actually speak in the space. Their performance mode is interpretive movement dance and their words are played through the sound system. I personally don't understand why you would put live bodies on stage but not give them their voice. The audience becomes split about where their attention should be. The body and the voice of the performer in the space with the audience is a key factor as to what makes live theatre a visceral experience for the audience. Apart from literally disembodying the voice this way, there is a basic anatomic hearing listening problem which comes into play when you do this. Without a visual context, the brain has to work hard to comprehend voice and pretty much any sound, which means there is delay. This is why when you speak on the telephone, you should say a few words before you say your name to a stranger because their ears and brain need to get used to the sounds and interpret them for meaning. If you then layer in a whole lot of reverb and pitch change and other processing and then add in the acoustic properties of the room the loudspeakers are in, the audience has to work so much harder to understand. In Destroyed, this became a compounded problem because the first speeches held a lot of information and it all went on for so long. It reminded me of the discontent I had with all the film content at the start of Trans Woman Kills Influencer. People come to live theatre for its liveness and to begin a show with a long sequence of pre-record in whatever form is a great folly. It doesn't allow the audience to key into the show with mind and body in the same way another person in the space speaking does. Don't get me wrong, I like the idea of the pre-records but they need to be led by live voice to really work in this context. I also want to emphasize that all of the sound and music in Destroyed is fabulous. It is one of the strongest sound designs by Alex Mraz I have experienced this year. Emily Bush's costumes are great too. I kind of assumed Bush had some import into the set design too because the witch's cloaks and the stage backdrop seem far too harmonized to have come from different creative impulses. There is no set design credit so I'm not sure. Charisse Rajamani's lighting finishes the tableau with great nuance and strong intention. 
Destroyed is a show with an incredibly strong visual aesthetic, a biting commentary and a deep and sad soul. Destroyed reminds us how easy it is to compound tragedy through unprocessed grief, fear and the fallibilities which make us human. And I gave Destroyed three stars. If you would like to comment on this review, you can go to whatdidshethink.com and have your say in the comment section under the review. You can invite me to review your show through the Contact Me gadget on the left of the page. And now for some industry news. Melbourne Fringe has announced its round one funding opportunities for 2024. The Fringe Fund helps our very best emerging and independent artistic talent achieve incredible things, supporting artists to find the money they need to make groundbreaking, innovative and brilliant art. The Fringe Fund provides commissioning opportunities, concessions on fees and even cold hard cash to ease financial pressure on the artists so they can do what they do best. The first opportunity is the Melbourne Civic Commission presented by Melbourne Fringe and Naomi Milgram Foundation. Melbourne Fringe's richest ever public art commission returns for a third year. The Melbourne Civic Commission is a partnership with the Naomi Milgram Foundation and offers $100,000 for you to create a new civic artwork which will premiere at the 2025 Melbourne Fringe Festival. They're on the hunt for the next big, brave and beautiful major public artwork that will capture the imagination of our city at this year's Melbourne Fringe Festival. The Melbourne Civic Commission is a chance for established artists with experience in creating complex public work to let their imaginations run wild and serve up a new idea to invigorate the city streets. They invite creative thinkers of all disciplines to come at them with a huge, groundbreaking idea that responds to three provocations, participation, place and design. It could be installation, live art, performance, visual art, music, architecture, design, moving image, digital media or something completely surprising. It might go for a minute a day, an hour, or the whole length of the festival. We're taking expressions of interest now from established artists based in Victoria and applications from First Nations artists, culturally and linguistically diverse artists, and D-deaf or disabled artists are especially welcome. Help bring big art to the streets. Expressions of interest for this opportunity are open until the 12th of March. Then there's the 200 seats grant. Got a slick idea that needs a little extra help getting bums on seats? Melbourne Fringe's 200 seats grant is designed to help experienced artists with a winning idea level up their audience engagement with a juicy marketing plan so you can fill the 200 seat ETU ballroom for a three week run at this year's festival. They're looking for big bold and commercially viable projects from artists or collectives with demonstrated experience presenting work in similar sized venues. You bring your great new project and they'll contribute. What you can get is $25,000 cash to cover your production, marketing and publicity, guaranteed programming for 15 nights in the ETU ballroom at the Festival Hub Trades Hall, 3,000 potential seats from the 2nd to the 20th of October, five nights per week. Applications close on the 25th of February. There's also the Climate Crisis Commission. In an exciting new commission for 2024, Melbourne Fringe has $20,000 to commission a new text-based work that engages with environmental issues that jeopardise the planet's ecosystems and the future of local communities. This opportunity, supported by Malcolm Robertson Foundation, is open to any artist or collective based in Australia working in new writing, text-based theatre. They are especially keen to hear from creative leads who are First Nations, deaf, disabled, people of colour and or transgender. 
They're looking for a concept that will stimulate conversations and connections, bring audiences together around important ideas that affect us all, grow understanding of new ideas and propose new ways of living and working to adapt to a changing climate. They're looking for art that inspires action and change. You bring your great new project and they'll contribute $18,000 cash from the Fringe Fund to produce and present your new idea, $2,000 for a mentor of your choice to support you in the development of the work, and applications close on the 25th of February. And finally, there are the cash to create grants. Looking to create something new for this year's Melbourne Fringe Festival? They've got cash to help. Melbourne Fringe is thrilled to offer two $20,000 commissions for artists to premiere their new work at this year's festival from the 1st to the 20th of October. This grant is open to any artist or collective working in Australia in any art form. So whatever flavour project you're cooking up, they want to hear from you. They are especially keen to hear from creative leads who are First Nations, DDEF, disabled, people of colour and or transgender. The application process is quick, easy and artist friendly. All you need to do is get them excited about turning your creative dream into a reality. If successful, you will receive $20,000 cash from the Fringe Fund to produce and present your new idea. Applications close on the 25th of February. So how does it all work? Cash to create opportunities all have one thing in common. They financially support artists so artists can get creating. Throughout the year, applications will be opened for commissioning opportunities, including club fringe commissions, fringe of the hub commissions, show support and Melbourne Civic Commission. Check back regularly to see how the Fringe Fund can support you to make great art. Cash for Equity is a way of levelling the playing field and making sure that anyone with an amazing idea can have their voice heard at Melbourne Fringe. Melbourne Fringe acknowledges that people facing financial hardship or structural disadvantage are met with barriers that prevent engagement with the arts and the amplification of their artistic voice. This includes First Nations people, deaf and disabled people, and people who identify as people of colour or culturally and linguistically diverse. Cash for Equity aims to remove barriers to access. They provide concessions on registration fees, support for audience accessibility services, and bespoke support through micro-grants of $100 to $500 that are allocated to alleviate pressures on artists from their communities of focus. If you are experiencing a barrier to participating in the festival, please email the Artist Services team artists at melbournefringe.com.au and they can start a conversation around how they can support you to be a part of Melbourne Fringe. Joining as a Fringe Fund donor will make an incredible impact on the lives and work of independent artists. You'll be backing big bold ideas, supporting bright emerging talents and helping elevate vital voices as they make exciting and meaningful contributions to the cultural life of the city. You can add your name to the family of supporters already generously donating directly to the the Fringe Fund, or if you've got your own big, bold idea about how to support the fund, reach out. They'd love to chat. If you have any questions about anything Fringe Fund related, you can email the Artist Services team at artists at melbournefringe.com.au or give them a call on 03 week for something special. I had the opportunity to chat with Moira Finucane about the return season of House of the Heart, which opens on the 15th of February. Hello, I'm Samsara and I'm here with the amazing Moira Finucane to talk about House of the Heart, her upcoming show at the Chinese Australian History Museum. Moira, hello. 
Hello, it's so lovely to be on your podcast. Oh, thank you. Well, let's begin with you just telling our listeners a little bit about yourself as a person, as an artist, just to give them a sense of who you are. Well, I grew up in an Irish Catholic family and when I was a kid, I was always fascinated with fairy tales and the natural environment. So I I think I had this, this life inside my head. I was fascinated by the lives of saints as well. These kind of big stories where, where small kindnesses and small cruelties had epic consequences. And that's something that I carried forward with me. And that is the nature of fairy tales is that small kindnesses and small cruelties have epic consequences. And I think that real life is like that as well. Casual sexism, casual racism, everyday kindnesses, standing up for what's right every day. They have consequences that are bigger than we could ever understand. And I guess that sense has always tracked with me in my life. And when I was a kid, I really loved the natural environment. So I, I trained as an environmental scientist. I worked in environmental conservation and in environmental law. And that's something that stayed with me all my life. And I've also worked with community groups in different parts of the world, mostly on gender violence and equality, but also on access, on inclusion, on speaking up, on having their voices heard. And that's been something else that's really informed me is my great belief in the extraordinariness and the redemptive power of human beings. I've seen incredible change over my life and I've seen people change fundamentally who they are and what they believe by listening to each other. Mm -hmm. All of those things make me the artist that I am. I'm not an artist who grew up with theatre. I grew up with these epic stories. I was fascinated by the natural world. My big sites, my churches of fascination were museums, galleries, churches. The, the incredible human endeavour for understanding and beauty is something that has stayed with me all my life. So wherever I go in the world, I, you'll find me in devotional temples, churches, things that are built by normal, everyday humans to make sense of a massive universe. Long story short, that makes me an artist who never trained really as an artist. I've worked in variety, I've worked in cabaret, I've worked in nightclubs, I've worked in drama, I've worked in some of the world's most beautiful museums and and my, my life as an artist is an incredibly eclectic one. I know a couple of years ago, you were an artist in resident, the first artist in resident at the NGV. And I knew it was amazing then, but I didn't have a context for it. But I think somehow you've just given us the context in that that's kind of a place where you draw so much inspiration, museums and galleries and stuff. And that also, I feel like, gives us a context for understanding why House of Heart is being performed where it is in the Museum of Australian Chinese History. That is correct. I mean, museums are funny places and the dominant history is written by the victors. And so museums are often a testament in history of victory. But museums are also a place where we treasure. So museums are mm. about treasuring. What do we treasure? What is a treasure? And yes. and my my interest in museums is how do we treasure and how do we treasure things that aren't normally treasured? So when I became interested in unpacking my desire to understand museums and my love of them, I thought, look, okay, Moira, you know, what gets treasured in museums? What doesn't get treasured? How do we treasure? And that became a provocation for me to think about how do we treasure the things that aren't normally treasured? How do we celebrate 
the uncelebrated. And so I guess in a way, my art practice is really a museum of humanity. I call it art versus extinction. And in my work, I celebrate and illuminate the lesser heard. I look for the minutiae of human stories and the Chinese museum is an incredible place. Chinatown in Melbourne is the world's oldest continuously occupied Chinatown because Chinatown in San Francisco was actually burnt down. So Melbourne's Chinatown is an incredibly significant and important place. When an enormous number of Chinese people came during the gold rush, particularly from mostly from southern China, and their cultural impact in Melbourne continues to this very day, despite the white Australia policy, despite the many years that have passed and the many challenges Chinese people and Chinese communities have faced within Australia. Um, Chinese Australians' cultural contribution to this country is extraordinary. During the gold rush in Victoria, there were 14 Cantonese opera companies, full opera companies touring and hundreds of opera stars. I love Cantonese opera. So my love affair for the Chinese Museum came from, I can't tell you how it started. My family have a history of exchange and collaboration with China. My grandfather went to China in the 70s when very few Westerners did. He was a geologist and he brought back chopsticks and he <laughs> learned how to use chopsticks. He developed this fascination with various aspects of Chinese culture, which he shared with me when I was a little kid, he took me to a Chinese museum that sold some Chinese cuisine and introduced <laughs> me to the wonders of black bean fish, which was a really exotic taste for a young kid from Perth like myself. So I went to Hong Kong. I, I fell in love with Cantonese opera, the devotional art, the Lunar New Year, the Moon Lantern Festival. And then in 2014, I was invited by China's leading avant-garde theatre director, Meng Jinghui, to play the lead role in The Good Person of Sichuan. This story of change, a fundamentally apocalyptic moral tale, as Brecht is really good at doing. Mm. So to be in China, performing a work created by a non-Chinese person about a kind of fabled Sichuan and me being Shantae Shui Ta on the National Theatre of China stage and the reaction of the Chinese audience of Samsara was just so powerful and so engaged and so passionate and I met artists and painters and film stars and writers and I just determined to go back and back home here in Australia I'd been a member of the Chinese Museum by then for at least 10 years. This is where I learned much more about the white Australia policy through the exhibition in the Chinese Museum and the excoriating cartoons that were being published at that time, the um, extremely racist anti-Asian cartoons and particularly anti-Chinese cartoons about the dangers of opium and the dangers of Chinese people and the yellow peril. I'd go down once a year when Dai Lung came out and paraded through the city and like so many Australians, that's one thing that I find extraordinary about the Chinese Museum is its open-handed engagement with Melbourne, which has invited and created this incredible love affair that people have for the processional dragons and have for Lunar New Year. There's so many people that celebrate it. You can't do Moomba without the dragons. You can't do Moomba without the dragons. <laughs> you just can't. That then brings me to House of the Heart. Well, there's two things you mentioned that trigger my curiosity because 
I saw the show in its first iteration, so I do know something about this show. Early on, you said that one of your fascinations with fairies and the fairy world was the cruelties and the kindnesses. And I think we quite often brush over the cruelty bit of the mythology, but also that you talked about bringing things that aren't noticed out to be noticed. And the interesting thing about the House of the Heart is its gentleness in pain, and love. I feel like the House of the Heart is in some ways gentler than your other pieces. I think that the description of the House of the Heart as a gentle work is such an accurate insight into the work. The House of the Heart's imaginative world started when I was working on the Tibetan Plateau beyond the Gobi Desert with the Qinghai Acrobatic Troupe, which was a great honour of my life in a Sydney Festival Commission, bringing together Qinghai Acrobatic Troupe with the incredible voice of Sophie Koh and a dancer choreographer from the Cameroon called Simon Abbe. What happened after I worked with Meng Jinghui and had such an incredible experience in Beijing as I started to work really extensively in China with different types of artists and different groups and theatres. And there I found myself in 2018 on the Tibetan Plateau with the snow falling, talking with these young acrobats in their place of abode and training, which was generational. They were trained by the previous acrobats and mm. It was very much a generational setup and people were talking about home because they came from a lot of different places in that region to be there. And Sophie Coe was there from Australia and Simon Abbe was there whose journey from the Cameroon through to living in Paris and then into Beijing. All of these people started talking about home in a really gentle way. And then when I came back from working with them, I went immediately to a remote area in Australia to collaborate with one of my long-term collaborators at that time, I'm Ray Demacuddy Dixon, who's been in my Art versus Extinction work, and we've also partnered with him creating his first solo album called Standing Strong, which is about standing strong for country and culture and having his voice and the voice of his people and the spirits of his land ringing out. I went from the Tibetan Plateau, to Shanghai, to Elliot, to Malinger, and then to the most remote festival in Australia in Kalkarinji with his family at his invitation to attend the Walk-Off Festival, the Wave Hill Walk-Off Festival. And at that time and at that moment, the elders took us to massacre sites around Wave Hill and it was the first time they'd taken white people to those sites. And it was an incredibly hard and moving and a great honour to be taken by them to visit those sites. And I asked one of them, why is this the time that you've chosen to take white people to these sites? And he said to me, because it is time to tell you the truth. All of those experiences, Samsara, were deep and some Absolutely. of them were deeply painful, but they were all very gentle. You know, we were welcomed, we were taken to hard places in a very gentle and welcomed way and we were shown hard things in a very gentle and hospitable way because the House of the Heart is in the Chinese Museum but we know that Melbourne is one of the most multicultural cities in the world and the, and the House of the Heart has many cultures and many voices in it so mm -hmm. we wanted it to be incredibly welcoming. We wanted people to come and just feel like they were safe and there's 
the stories of Lois only, Lois Mary only, a stolen generation's woman whom I've known since I was 12 from the Pilbara, her stories of being stolen, of what she's faced as an Indigenous Australian, a First Nations person, are very painful, but she has an enormous hope and generosity for the future of this country. You know, Zital, amazing young artist from mainland China, is here studying. Sophie Ko, who's Roots go back to um, the Fujian province in China, where her grandmother comes from. So many different artists. Xiao Xiao, who came here when she was six years old, and she's an, a haunting cellist. Dave Johnson, who has an Irish background like mine, an incredible guitarist. And, you know, Glennis Briggs, who's Yorta Yorta, Wiradjuri, Tangerung, and her an incredible elder and leader from this part of the world. And all of these people... Have, are very gentle with each other and with the audience. It is, it's an extraordinary experience to be part of. And the dragons are part of it. To be in the Dragon Gallery is to be in the luckiest place in Melbourne, to start the year in the luckiest place in Melbourne with a lucky dragon cocktail in your hand, surrounded by the embrace of, you know, one of the world's longest processional dragons. And his father and his father. So it's three generations of dragons. It is the most beautiful and unique experience. And everybody who came last year didn't want to go home no. and begged us to come back, which is why we have. And I guess that brings us back to when do you open? We're running for a month this time. This year we're opening on the 15th of yes. February next Thursday and we run right through to the 10th of March. And it's Thursday through Sundays at the Chinese Museum. You can find tickets on our website, Finn Ukane and Smith, or go to Try Booking and look up House of the Heart and it's running Thursday through Sunday. I don't know when we'll ever be able to do it again. Do not miss it. There are 13 stunning artists. Lois Olney is coming back from the Pilbara, especially to join the work. Phenomenal First Nations artists. Unbelievable Chinese-Australian voices. You know, this is the place where you will hear languages that are song, that are physical, that are beyond all of those things. I think transcendent is one of the most perfect terms for House of the Heart. So to finish, here's a recap of what you can experience in Melbourne this week, and there is a lot to choose from. Today is your last chance to see Mekostra at the MC Showroom. You can get your tickets at themcshowroom.com. Homophonic also has its last show at La Mama Courthouse today. Get your tickets at lamama.com.au. Melbourne Theatre Company is currently presenting 17. The season runs through to the 17th of February, and tickets can be purchased through mtc.com.au. The Rocky Horror Show is playing at the Athenaeum until the 23rd of March. Tickets are on sale now at rockyhorror.com.au. Groundhog Day the Musical is playing at the Princess Theatre. For all bookings and inquiries, call 1300 111 011. A suffocating choking feeling is back from the 13th to the 18th of February at La Mama HQ. Tickets at lamama.com.au. Angel Monster runs from the 14th to the 24th of February at TheatreWorks. Get your tickets at theatreworks.org.au. House of the Heart opens at the Museum of Chinese Australian History on the 15th of February and runs through to the 10th of March. 
bookings via trybooking.com. Lights Camera Chaos is on for one show only on the 17th of February at Gasworks. Get your tickets at eventfinder.com.au. Melbourne Shakespeare Company is presenting Much Ado About Nothing at Central Park from the 17th of February to the 10th of March. Tickets via trybooking.com. Melbourne Shakespeare Company also has Adventures of Neverland playing from the 17th to the 10th of March. Book through trybooking.com. What Did She Do is created by myself, Samsara, and drops every Sunday. Also, if you like a bit of audio fiction in your podcast mix, you can check out my other podcast, Samsara's Dramas, scripts straight from my pen to your ears via an amazing ensemble of actors. Let's catch up again next week. What Did She Do?